Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, so last week's FNM format on Arena was a new spin on Historic Brawl, in which the minimum deck size got upped from 60 cards to 100 cards. Uh, and then that event was followed up by a week-long Historic Brawl Fest. So we've had a lot of time to experiment with a new deck size. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the results of that experimentation and discussing which archetypes got the biggest boost and which suffered the most from this change. Uh, but before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, with that, let's jump into the topic. Um, I want to start by saying that I think that the community as a whole has been pretty positive about the change. Um, I, I did a quick informal poll on Twitter, and the, there was a clear preference for 100 cards over 60 cards in Historic Brawl. Uh, so I think people are really excited about this, but the change has had a lot of impacts on a lot of decks, and we're going to get into sort of what those are in just a second. Um, how do you feel about this change overall? Do you think it's a good thing? Um, what What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think in the long run, it's going to be a good thing. So I think like as time goes on and as more cards get introduced to Arena, it's going to become more and more and more a facsimile for like commander gameplay away from your commander table. But that doesn't mean that it is commander right now. One of the things about Historic Brawl that I think makes up for that is the fact that you can use these Planeswalkers as commanders. It adds a little bit more variety to a format that would be a lot more homogenized. It's already pretty homogenized. <laughs> but other than that, unless you have a pretty broad pool to dig through, so say like, like Feather, who just gets little crappy combat tricks with scry tacked onto them or mm -hmm. draw a card tacked onto them every set like you might not have enough cards anymore <laughs> to really work it's interesting i was testing a lot i think nick was too and and just some decks just really couldn't quite come together the way i wanted just because of of that like one thing yeah i mean a lot of people have been talking about how this makes the format more similar to commander um and that's true, but I really do want to stress the difference in their card pools. So yeah. <laughs> uh, currently there are about 48 and 94 cards legal in Historic, so just under 5,000. Um, and there are 21,000 cards legal in Commander. So, you know, an enormous difference in the card, uh, the, the, the card pool that you're digging through when you're trying to make, especially when you're trying to make like synergistic decks. If you're building like a tribal deck or a deck focused around a particular theme or mechanic uh, or card type, you're just going to have a lot less to dig through. Uh, and and just for like another point of comparison, even like if you go back to 2011 and only look at like the cards legal and commander in 2011, that's still almost 12,000 cards. So it's it's not like you're really it's not like historic is closer to what commander used to be like, you know, 10 years ago or so yeah um it's really that you're still digging through less cards in historic than half of what was legal in commander in 2011 yeah 
Can I speak to that point really quickly? Too? Yeah, go ahead. Because like, that's something that I think it's a talking point I've heard a lot as well. And I think one of the problems with it is also like what cards are legal. So even like within the smaller pool, like if Commander, let's say Commander started and it did have a smaller pool of cards to pick from, it still would have had like uh, Soul Ring and like all these old cards that you could have played with. Like uh, Nether Trader would have been legal. Like, you know, there, there's just a lot of cards that were pieces that make things work a lot better, where in the new historic brawl 100 card format like yeah the power levels dropped so maybe that's where people feel like it's similar but you, it's like the cards that you get to play with are nowhere near the same like there's no rampant growth you know like mm-hmm. like i don't even have rampant growth for my green decks i i just have like cultivate or for the lid or in the royal one the instant speed one you know like i don't actually have like these old cards that everyone was used to playing with that kind of got people to playing commander in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I think people, when they're making that comparison, they're comparing it to the fact that like the format is less powerful (laughs) than current commander and not realizing that they're not actually getting to play with the cards that made commander fun in the first place. Absolutely. Uh, And I, I remind me to touch on that again later. Um, (laughs) But um, I, I think we can, sort of move into who like the biggest winners are in the hundred card metagame. Um, Cause there are some like while the power level has decreased because you, you're kind of forced to put worse cards in your deck in order to, to get up to a hundred cards. Um, there are some archetypes that were like relatively unaffected by the change or which have otherwise been able to to weather it pretty well, and we'll get into the the bigger losers in just a little bit. So, right off the bat, there's a one like broad category of card that I I started seeing a fair bit of in this historic brawl event, um, and that was decks that rely on cards that break the singleton rule. So, for example, I've seen a lot of Luris Rat Colony decks, and the great thing about those decks is that the increased deck size did not affect them at all because uh, <laughs> you can run 30 rat colonies in your 60 card deck or you can run 50 in your 100 card deck and your deck's going to play pretty much about the same. Uh, and it has been like pretty good because if I am not playing a deck that runs a lot of removal, especially mass removal, like the, the deck's clock is super fast because you, you know, you're swinging with for three power on turn three uh and then you're swinging for let's see let me do some quick math (laughs) (laughs) then you're swinging with like two guys each that get plus three plus oh so 10 power on turn four uh, and then you're swinging for like 20 on turn five so it's just a really really fast clock if you're not able to gum up the ground or wipe the board then that's something you really got to watch out for in this new format and then another deck that like got one big one like minor benefit and then well, like one huge loss, but I, I want to bring it up anyway. Um is Bruvac Persistent Petitioners. I've seen a couple of these as well. They definitely benefited from, you know, the fact that you can run any number of persistent petitioners. So the deck is incredibly consistent, but because it's a mill deck, the increased deck size also like significantly handicapped the strategy. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye out for as well. But l- you want to tell us about the next category of cards that kind of fared pretty well through this change? 
Yeah, so the <laughs> I kind of alluded to it. We both kind of alluded to it. Just good stuff. There's a ton of decks that are like five color, uh, perhaps General Tazri or Kenrith or um, whoever it might be. The bridge. Uh, yeah, and bridge decks. And you know what? They are doing pretty good because it's pretty easy to find uh, 30 haymakers in uh, in this format. Or, or there's a lot of counter spells and burn spells and draw spells and kill spells and artifacts and things that are just generally decent. And uh, you can put in most decks. So if your deck doesn't really have a theme and is just playing good cards... Turns out there's still some good cards in this <laughs> format, so you uh, kind of ended up not really having to worry about stuff and just kind of having to add a few more counter spells, a few more ways to draw, etc. You know? Yeah, back in uh, sixty card historic brawl, uh, when I was making like a Niv Mizzet Reborn list, it was honestly like painful to build a sixty card Niv Mizzet Reborn list. Yeah, because there were just so many good cards. That I was really having to choose, like you know, which of my children I love the most. Yeah. But that's a deck I can see, like you know, when as you're converting it to a hundred cards, you had so many things that you just left on the table when you were building it for sixty cards. You just put those in, and the deck is still great. It's still it's not a bad card in the deck, and it just doesn't really feel like a huge restriction to have to uh, fill out another forty cards. I definitely think that like good stuff deck weathered the storm pretty well i've seen a fair number of five color good stuff lists so far um and sort of on a similar note these this next category of decks they aren't quite good stuff but they they have a theme they have something that they're incentivizing you to do um but the theme is broad enough that filling in another 40 slots is is still pretty easy Mm -hmm. um so just as a couple examples of this category I'm thinking like Chulain, um, because really all he wants you to do is run cheap creatures, and there's still plenty of those legal in Historic Brawl. Similarly, Nethroy, uh, he just wants you to run kind of like value creatures with low power, and I think that there's still a lot of those legal in the format that's not really that hard to fill out. Like mm-hmm. when I was, that's another deck that, like when I was building it for 60 card, it was so difficult because I just had so few slots and so many cards I wanted to put in. So uh, expanding this out was no trouble at all. Uh, and then finally, um, a Johnny the Great Hearted. That's a, a deck that really is sort of a token deck. It has a lot of plus one plus one counter synergies. And both of those themes are pretty broad in uh, historic brawl card pool. So I think that that's another deck that um, doesn't feel the pinch too much. Like the the curve did rise a bit, but overall it's not a significant drop in the deck's power level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a few other themes that like are pretty easy to slot things into. So like, let's say you're like maybe they're not powerhouses, but it was just easy. So like Cheville, Bane of Monsters, Cheville, Cheville, mm-hmm. is that or whatever? You all know what I'm talking about. They got the yeah. mustache and the big sword, like. There's just more kill spells. You just put in more kill spells, you know? Like, like turns out when you have access to, like, six more sets, every set has some kill spells. And so that that translated pre- pretty easily 
even like Dalakos, like there's just some equipment or artifacts in every set. Like there, there's a few, um, and Dalakos being the three mana two four that taps for two mana for artifacts and their activated abilities and stuff. So like there's a few decks that um were easy to expand or like got better, but better might not be good enough. I think the best example of that is Depala. <laughs> so like. DePaula Pilot Exemplar gained a lot um, going to 100 cards, but it's not good. Because <laughs> uh, DePaula Historic, like, you had to pick and choose which vehicles you wanted. You had to pick and choose which chores you wanted. So you can put more in in a 100-card deck. Like, it, you were leaving stuff on the chopping block, but it wasn't necessarily, like, the strongest, like, best stuff. You're kind of putting on, like, well, I don't need to play my... 5-1 Trample Haste in the 60-card version, but yeah. I probably need to in my 100-card version. So in that regard, it's, like, easy to fill out a deck, but it it's not, like, better for it, you know? Yeah, we, we've got a, a lot of examples of that. Uh, I think with... Let, let's sort of transition into the biggest losers mm-hmm, in the 100-card yeah. metagame, because I think yeah. there's a lot of decks similar to, to what you just described. Mm-hmm. but so a couple things i want to get out of the way some quick categories and then we'll jump into like mm-hmm. who really got messed up which i think are like the synergy based decks but first i just want to say like colorless decks were possible in yeah. the 60 card metagame and it's seems like it's no longer something you can do in historic brawl it's worth noting that there's only 303 non-land colorless cards in historic yeah uh, and to put that in perspective like it, there's about 684 so just under 700 green cards that are not lands in historic so if you're building a colorless deck your card pool regardless of like whatever theme you're trying to execute your card pool is less than half the size of like any monocolor deck so that's a big challenge already I also found that um, there the number of like lands that tap for colorless that yeah. just tap for colorless and like don't have a color identity is also very low. I don't think you can actually get to thirty eight cards that tap for colorless or like lands that tap for colorless in historic brawl, which is an issue. So not actually possible to like build a mana base that is entirely forsaken ma- monument compliant. Um, which is a problem because I think Forsaken Monument is like one of the best reasons to run a colorless deck. So I really think that colorless decks have just like felt the pinch so much that they may not be viable at all. Like a, a color identity has kind of just been stricken from viability with this change because it's just so hard to fill it out. Um, and like Historic Brawl, of course, you're, you don't have a lot of the powerful mana rocks that sort of made this color identity a lot more powerful in Commander. You don't have, you know, your mana vaults, your soul rings, your mana crypts, all those things that kind of help colorless decks be decent at, like, ramping out its Eldrazi. Uh, you just don't have that. So, like, the reward, the the incentive for building colorless just kind of isn't there, and you don't really have the cards to do anything super powerful. Another category of decks that really lost out with this change are decks built around one particular card. So there are some some decks that 
sort of are more combo oriented and kind of combo with their commander a little bit um, that worked pretty well in historic brawl. Some of them are actually quite good, but if your deck is revolving around finding a particular card, then, you know, finding it in 60 cards is a lot easier than finding it in hundred cards. And so like, what are some of the decks that sort of fall into this category? The one that comes to mind, the one I saw the most that was doing this was Vito. Was it Thorn of the Dusk Rose? Yes, that's right. Thorn of the Dusk Rose. Yes. So Vito, Thorn of the Dusk Rose has uh, whenever you gain life, an opponent loses that much life. And uh, turns out Exquisite Blood was also in Historic. Historic, sorry. Exquisite Blood says whenever an opponent loses life, you gain that much life. Um, so if you kind of put those two things together, you kill everybody (laughs) you kill your opponent really quickly this is a classic commander combo i think people flock to it pretty well in um historic for the same reason like oh i can just just win right off the bat and it seems like people are a lot less reticent to do combo or things that would be antisocial yeah in in regular commander they're totally willing to do that in brawl so it was something that i saw a decent amount of the time and that deck uh, was pretty. It was pretty pretty consistent. It was pretty good even without the combo. Sometimes you could just die to like some crappy little life linkers, and then oh, yeah, like a great merchant a just to finish down. you off. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Um. Yeah. No. It was. Um. It was always something that I you you kind of had to be aware of. Like, oh, okay, well, th- here's veto. I'm gonna have to look out for a combo. Save a counter spell. Save a kill spell. Whatever it's gonna be. But. Mm, it's a little harder it's, now it's you know? definitely harder there are you know some tutors legal in the format but not a whole lot of them and it's definitely no. not something you can get a critical mass of in uh in historic brawl so your your odds of like finding an exquisite blood over the course of a game are just much much lower and so you gotta gotta more play fair magic which you know so, some might say that's a good thing for the format but it also just means like if you came to historic brawl because you want to do that kind of gameplay it's just harder for you to do that um another deck i i saw a fair bit of in like previous historic brawl like events with 60 cards was the emery lurker of the lock deck so yeah the emery decks are like very heavily reliant on paradox engine that's kind of their win condition because when you have emery and a paradox engine you could pretty much just like cast you're in pretty much every artifact out of your graveyard, especially if you have like mana rocks. So that was like really the the big engine of the deck. And unfortunately, it's pretty hard to find that in 100 cards. There aren't a whole lot of artifact tutors in the format. It's kind of just like War of Invention and like the Inventor's Fair. But Emery without yeah. Paradox Engine is just like a much more fair deck. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm like, kind of ramping by playing mana rocks out of my graveyard or i'm like maybe drawing a card off a turn by sacrificing this this mind stone or this chromatic sphere so the the deck just got like a lot less dirtly and a lot less explosive um definitely a a big handicap on its power level and then finally i just want to mention one last deck that's kind of built around a particular card that that suffered because of this and that's ugin the ineffable eggs yeah and so Ugin the Ineffable is six cost, Planeswalker. Uh, it has the static ability of colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast. You can plus one to uh, 
basically like sort of manifest the top card of your library except when there's a battlefield it has a card from the top of your library exiled under it and then when the token dies you put that card in your hand then as minus three destroy target uh colored permanent ugin i've seen it built and I, and I have built it um with just a whole bunch of like two cost artifacts that enter the battlefield and draw the card there's a ton of them uh, easily enough to fill out a 60 card deck and so when you're playing ugin you're just kind of like churning through your deck dropping all these dumb artifacts and then uh there's a handful of cards that kind of like break this this open and sort of like really make it so that you're doing something powerful because just like getting a bunch of do nothing artifacts onto the board and and like kind of cycling them doesn't really accomplish much but when you have something like a, a paradox engine or a mystic forge or a forsaken monument those are the engine pieces that really make it so that you're gaining something by by going through these motions if you have a forsaken monument on the board not only do you have a bunch more mana but you're also gaining enormous amounts of life while you're playing all these eggs if you have a paradox engine you're untapping your your mana rocks you're netting mana as you're casting these things you're really building up your resources and then mystic forge just makes it so that you're much less likely to fizzle because uh you know every card you draw is like uh revealing more cards out of your library you have an opportunity to like get rid of duds off the top of your library especially if you have like a paradox engine that can then untap the mystic forge so there's these engine pieces that are really essential to the functioning of the deck and it's you kind of in 60 card you pretty much just had to luck into them the only tutor you really had was um the inventor's fair so in 100 cards it's kind of seems impossible to to draw these cards it's, yeah. it's like three important pieces out of 100 cards with almost no tutoring power and it just the deck just does not really function as is yeah a lot like I had this experience with a few commanders, like Judith the Scourge Diva was one of them. Like, like a few, and and that's black, so you do get a few more tutors. But um, just where the primary game plan of like what the commander commander version does compared to the historic brawl version was just so hard to accomplish that you kind of just had to run good stuff. It's like, well, I have to run more draw and counter spells to survive till I can find my cool artifact in Emery so that I can do the thing that I want to do with Emery because I can't just sit here and like cast and pop uh globe of the guild packs over and over and over again yeah. you know like like it's just not that's just not what I should be doing because as my opponents cast their like greater Gargadon and all these things it's like well I'm just gonna get run over <laughs> <laughs> this is not not feasible yeah so uh, I, I think now we can sort of jump into like the meat of this episode, which is like the the like synergy based decks that lost out as a result of this change. Um, and this is not going to be comprehensive. Uh, you know, no. I, I'm recording this just a couple days after all this historic brawl event kind of started, um, and so I've only had the chance to test about 15 historic brawl decks. So this is just like my experience so far. There's plenty of others that are kind of in the same boat here. And I just want to give a broad overview of, the, of these types of decks. Um, so this next category includes a lot of tribal decks. And the first one I want to talk about is Lyra Dawnbringer. Uh, so Lyra Dawnbringer is three white white for legendary creature angel. She's a five five with flying first strike and lifelink. 
and other angels you control get plus one plus one and have lifelink. So um, pretty standard angel tribal design. I think it, in some ways it works a bit better in this format than it does in Commander because uh, with 25 life total, a small pump matters more and big chunks of life gain also matter more. Um, yeah, and, and one one opponent, I think, is the other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Too, you know? So in some ways she's better in this format. But as I mentioned, like when we were sort of doing a historic brawl update following Kaldheim, um, she really only became viable in that format after the release of Kaldheim because she she kind of just barely got over the hump in terms of the minimum n- number of angels to make the deck work, make it so that you can kind of reliably, consistently curve out with angels. Now that like you're your denominator is 100 cards now that you're trying to fill out 100 cards i just don't think it works anymore there's only 38 uh, angels legal in historic in the white color identity and that's maybe for a tribal deck you could that might barely be enough but that's also leaving you zero room to just not include the crappy angels like the six cost <laughs> three three flyers um yeah so it just doesn't doesn't work and just to like sort of give you a a point of comparison in commander in this color identity uh, there's 141 angels that you could choose from so you have like a a decent amount of choice available to you if you're trying to build this in commander but that's just completely removed in historic brawl and it i just don't think the deck really works anymore yeah some things that Lear has going for it is that some of the uh, more relevant angel cards have been printed in the last like year because of call mm-hmm. So you do get um, some of the cheaper angels. You get like the three and four drop angels, and you get the one card that the cleric that makes angels cheaper. And you do get uh, but, changelings. That's that's really annoying. And you get some changelings, but you don't get a lot of them. Yeah, you get like two. And, you get like the land yeah, and the artifact creature. Yeah. So you don't it's really not not holding not holding a lot of weight there. So you are missing out on like the best ones. Like you, you still have Bane Slayer, mm-hmm. but uh yeah, just a lot of the infrastructure that you kind of had before to compete with the other like big dogs in the format is just kind of not there anymore. It's just it feels a lot <laughs> it feels a lot more like regular Commander Lyra Dawnbringer where you're at the mercy of your opening hand. Yeah. Um which isn't the best. Yeah, <laughs> like with with Kaldheim, you know, the curve dropped. You could there were some like three drop angels to make it so that you actually had some early game plays. But with this mm-hmm. version of Lyra Dawnbringer, the curve just got so much higher, and it's you're gonna have openers that are just like five drop angel and two six drop angels, and it's like this is and yeah. you know then you get paired against Muxus or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it just is. Uh... It's not fun. It's you. It's it's not fun to see your deck that you feel like you put like a lot of effort into trying to make work just like fall apart due to like a stream of pressure like applied to it. It's like oh, that's uh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, tell us about the the next commander that fell off a bit that lost a lot of its power with this change. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. So the next one is Unish, uh, and it's very similar. You're going to notice a trend, and I actually will probably mention another one at some point. Um, is 
tribal decks, well, you don't you don't have a lot of the tribe going on. So one of the things about Unesh is a Sphinx Cryo Sphinx Sovereign is that it uh, in sixty card you had enough Sphinx and enough Changelings because you got a decent amount of the blue Changelings from Call Time, so that's great to fill out the deck and work. Uh, and you don't really you mostly were playing all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mostly were playing all of them in the 60 card version and it, and it worked just fine and you could get cost reducers and you could, you could play your sphinxes and it was pretty fun, but that was just because there was just barely enough of them. So to kind of illustrate the point, like there's only 19 cards where they're legal and historic and they say sphinx and they're blue <laughs> or colorless. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot yeah, for a hundred card deck, that's that's not really the density you need in order to make this work. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's not counting the changelings, like I said. So there's a few more changelings with the nineteen over the nineteen, but they're again, they're not like all stars. It's like, like yeah, you get to play Orvar, but then he's a three three for four. <laughs> you know, like it's not like he's doing a lot for you. Or or Mistwalker, which is a two four flyer for three. You're like not really a home run as far as sphinx tribal is looking for yeah so it's it is slim pickings there yeah and and if you could make it work kudos to you but i as someone who you know had a nunesh deck um and then tried to make it work in historic brawl it just seemed untenable to me but um that's just my experience the the next commander we're going to talk about who kind of lost a bit is arcades the strategist uh, this is sort of the defender tribal commander, and uh, he's another one that uh, is kind of limited in his options uh, as a result of this change. There's only 37 cards legal and historic that are creatures with defender or that mention defender. And again, like you basically have zero choice in what to run. And also some of those uh, things that like come up in that um, scryfall search. Are are like Arcades himself, or things that mention Defender but don't have it, like the the giant from oh. from Jumpstart. Yeah, I can't remember the name. So Towering Titan, uh, which mm. allows you to sacrifice a creature with Defender to give all creatures trample until end of turn. Um, so again, it's just mentioning Defender. Like really, the the number of actual creatures with Defender is even lower, and that's in comparison to 193 cards that mention or creatures that mention defender uh legal in commander so you're operating at like a sixth of the number of cards that commander players get to play with it's just a very very limited card pool yeah it's kind of a challenge to fill it out especially like with a deck like arcades where kind of the point of the deck what you're really trying to do is like go off and chain defender creatures into each other but if you have like, you know, maybe only a third of your deck, then it's just that much less likely that you're going to play a defender and draw into another defender, which will draw you into another defender. The The lower your concentration gets, the harder, the more likely it is that your like defender chain is going to fizzle. This is one of the ones where I was most upset <laughs> about it. I, w- I kind of was optimistic. I was like, oh, you know, maybe Arcades will be okay because... Um, you get to run a lot of other things, and it's three colors, so you can run some support. And it, 
just kind of flubbed out. I felt like I never drew an X. I, I couldn't chain them, like you said. It was like oftentimes I'd have to play defenders early to block. It just felt bad because um, I think that's one of the things about the 100 card format is a lot of the aggro decks like uh i guess i guess maybe we can talk about this like winota which was recently like unbanned doesn't really care about what one drop it plays you know as long as it triggers winota mm -hmm. <laughs> so i saw a lot of that deck also um in testing and it was really kind of like a uh a check on if what i was doing could possibly work you know <laughs> Like, yeah, it it was like, oh, can I? Is this deck able to function under pressure? Like, if on turn four I can't handle Winota or survive this attack, is my deck good enough? <laughs> I was like, okay, well, mm, this one didn't work out, and so that was definitely true of Arcades. Yeah, and then the this last one I want to mention is um another card that it's it's just. Uh, amazing like how few options there are in historic brawl so this is uh quende pride ephemeref oh. and uh this is uh three and a white for a two two double strike creatures you control with first strike have double strike so it's sort of like a a, a lord for first strike creatures um there's only 26 cards in historic uh that are creatures with first strike and that's kind of enough for a 60 card deck you're kind of like just barely getting there and then you can fill it out with like some pump effects or some removal or whatever. But that's not going to cut it in a hundred card singleton. You're you're not able to curve out. You're not able to like uh, consistently draw a bunch of these cards in a game and like really have a, a board full of double strikers. And just as a point of comparison, of course, uh, there's 161 creatures with first strike legal in commander. Um, so a, a much broader card pool and another deck that uh, really isn't able to get there, I don't think, um, in the new Historic Brawl. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I, I always liked your Quende list, and uh, I think that that's kind of a shame that it flubs out. Because I think if there's any place that decks like Quende should thrive, it should be somewhere like Historic, where you don't have to fight for like viability against the entire history of like the magic card pool you just kind of have to have some decent first strikers mm -hmm. you know <laughs> so that's kind of a kind of a shame so those are kind of like the main decks that lost out as a result of this change and there's one sort of effect i noticed that i think other people like may sort of notice this as well so in some of my synergy decks they kind of only worked in 60 card do because there was like a density of the synergistic effects. So I, for example, I had like a, a tribal Omnath 3.0 list, the, the teamer, uh, the teamer Omnath. I, I was going to mention yeah. Omnath too. Yeah. And, uh, I thought like there was a lot of, um, elemental tribal in that core set in which it was printed. So I kind of wanted to like put all of those elemental tribal cards and like the good elementals printed in the, the sets around it into a single deck and it kind of worked in uh in 60 card because uh, even though there weren't a ton of these it was enough to fill out your deck um you you got some great moments where like oh i'm making a ton of tokens with my scampering scorcher and they're all getting pumped from this uh 
this trailblazer or whatever. Uh, and then like Omnath is shooting for a bigger amount as a result of it. And it kind of worked because you could like you knew that there were some tribal effects, you know, within the top couple of cards of your library. And what happened when I tried to blow it out to 100 cards is because the denominator was bigger, because there's more cards I'm drawing out of, the the few synergistic effects I had just didn't spread as far. And what I ended up doing was like, I'd see, you know, this this thing like elementals get plus one plus O, like, oh, it's probably less likely that I'm going to draw this in conjunction with some of my elemental token generators. Maybe I'll take that out. And then I look at my token generators and it's like, oh, you know, I don't really have that many uh, anthems anymore. Maybe it's not even worth it to run these. And it just leads to this like cascade where the, you know, as like one piece no longer functions well, uh, I I sort of pull out the infrastructure that's connected to that piece. uh, And then slowly I end up just kind of replacing all of the theme cards with just generally good good stuff like oh well you know what we're on color for uro let's put him in yeah. so that's that's an unfortunate uh tendency i noticed when i was upgrading some of these decks uh that's 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 an unfortunate unfortunate change um what have your experiences been like like have there been any general lessons that you took away from this process of like converting your decks over and, and testing against the the field of historic brawl yeah i kind of want to speak on the Omnath, because I did the same thing, because that was one of my favorite historic brawl lists, was wet Omnath, like Omnath, Locus of the Royal. And kind of what ended up happening with me was pretty similar to your experience, where I took out a lot of like the token generation, left in like the best elementals, like the few of them that were the best. And then like really the deck ended up focusing more on like the second part of Omnath, where like it wasn't so much about like having elementals and getting value that way. It was very much just ramp, ramp, draw cards. Get to eight lands and, have and then better, have your yeah. sort of low budget uh, Tatiova. Exactly. So it was like um, ever, there was a time I got to do like, what's the expel god cycle? The Oh, the interventions. The intervention. So I did like uh, Nylia's intervention for a bunch of lands. Journey to the Oracle, which is the flip side of Jadzi Oracle of Arcavios. Um, and I'm just able to discard a card because I'm going to draw like four more cards off of it mm-hmm. and ramp four lands. And that kind of ended up becoming the game plan. And then you have like a 12 12 commander. <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't really matter that I wasn't playing with a lot of elementals because I just had counter spells and kill spells in hand and bounce spells and. Uh, ramp spells and it, it the theme was completely diluted by the end of it and the same kind of thing happened with my mill deck so in 60 card historic i had an ashiok dream render list which is the uncommon uh legendary planeswalker ashiok from war of the spark where your opponents can't um, search their library and uh, you can minus one to like a player mills four cards, then each opponent exiles their graveyard. So this was like pretty good. Like it was a pretty good control deck in 60 cards. It was able to stop pretty much all the good stuff. It was able to stop any graveyard shenanigans. I was in like really good control colors. I had card draw, card selection, like good threats, good removal. 
and I would win by mailing people out pretty mm-hmm. often. And I, I could not do that <laughs> anymore. And it was kind of just like I would struggle around and kind of like limply slap my opponent in the face as like exiling their graveyard and being like, no, yeah, no, as like eventually just they would stick something more powerful than what I was doing. It seems like the mill decks seems like a lot of what they're doing now is just like annoying people. Um, yeah. <laughs> or in some cases, yeah, enabling them. The rogues. Um, yeah. I've actually, if, if you are facing a lot of Bruvac decks, um, I have a list that has just been absolutely like slapping them, um, <laughs> which is my, uh, my Luca, like the Lu- the flip Mila and Luca, the red, white sort of mm-hmm. reanimator commander. Um, because like I'm just naturally running a lot of board wipes, uh, and so like I'm able to just like four for one them and blast all their <laughs> uh, their persistent petitioners out of the way. And then like as they're like as they're milling me, it's just like oh sweet you uh, you flipped over my Ulamog. Thank you. Like uh, the milling that deck is like an enormous liability. So you can really get a lot of value as you're you're essentially like drawing some of your best. Tutor t- your your best reanimation targets by them flipping over your cards. <laughs> yeah, that's basically been my experience too. It's like the graveyard decks um are pretty good. Uh, most a, a few of them got worse, but some of them are the same. Um, I played against a Gitrog monster that didn't really seem like it lost anything. And actually, that's a one last point for this section. I want to talk about is like. The green decks, I feel like, lost out on the least yeah. amount of stuff. Um, totally I played, I played against a lot of like Ashaya Soul of the Wild lists that like were fine. You know, just didn't really change. Game plan didn't change. Like you're just, they just had a bunch of cards in green that did that that got you lands or pumped your guys or whatever it is drew cards same with like galta primal hunger i saw a decent amount of those in testing where it's just like play some good creatures yep. and you're play in some fatties you're fine yeah and it, it's that that didn't really change so i think if you were playing a green list in historic brawl before you're pro- you're probably good it's like if you were trying to do something very particular that it got a lot worse. Um, Hypatra, honestly, oh yeah, is a lot less consistent. No, that's, that's a great I, commander to bring up because yeah. I felt like when I was building it for sixty card, I felt like I was, I had just barely crossed the finish yes. line. That was like my experience. Um, and then so I cannot imagine like the devastation of like trying to fill out a one hundred card Hypatra list in historic. Yeah, Brawl. did the, I? I made a historic brawl sixty card list a while ago. And it was really fun and it, and it played okay. And I had that experience and I tried, I didn't even actually play games with it. I just was sitting there like trying to fill out the list and kept like closing <laughs> the deck builder, just being like, I yeah, I can't believe this. That, I can't. that was like, that was my experience when I was trying to switch over my Unesh deck. Um, <laughs> Cause like I, I like, you know, trawled through all the changelings, all the, the sphinxes, give me them all. Uh, yeah. And like, I, I added everything like, Oh God, I really don't want to play this, but okay. Uh, and then I look over at the deck total and it's 66 cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Closed. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. And it kind of makes me 
a little bit upset that they don't allow like demonic tutor. Like it's in the mystical archive and it's just one of the 100 cards and there's really no comparison. Like there's grim tutor yeah. and But after that you're at that, like diabolic tutor. It, it's like there's yeah, gravebreaker lami <laughs> like final parting like yeah it's it it's really really um doesn't seem threatening mm-hmm. in a hundred card format i agree um uh, and it would help a lot of these lists out honestly like just be a just one card more consistent enough to <laughs> To be playable. Yeah, because I, I totally agree with what you were saying about like green feels like it lost very little. I would say blue also lost very little. Um, yeah, you know, it has so much card draw, it's able to refill its hand, it's able to dig deeper. Uh, it would be nice if black were able to sort of maintain some of its uh, its strength from commander, which is just its ability yeah. to find, <laughs> but apparently, that's yeah, it doesn't... not the direction that they're they're taking and. Sort of on yeah. the subject of tutors, there's one one other thing I want to say that's related, which is, uh, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of Captain Sisse decks, uh, and that yes. that seems like an excellent commander to counteract this change to a hundred cards because, you know, it, it doesn't matter how far down your Elish Norn is or your Paradox Engine is or whatever you're trying to get out, because um, you're commander solves that problem for you and she's one of the very few tutor commanders legal in the format yeah i saw a lot of captain sisses and i saw a lot of the tazeries mm-hmm. um like general tazery oh actually the other one isn't even legal in historic right Right. the only one is the the one that like flips your is, top is it beacon cards. of unity yeah. yeah but i saw a lot of general tazery um and i think that's because they're like it it's just fine it's like if you do run out of thing because you don't need to build around the theme of like a party too hard to be able to hit a wizard or like yeah. a rogue in your top like six cards that often but I, I i saw that a decent amount of the time and then just five colors kind of like we mentioned at the top uh which might be a good time for something you're gonna mention he said oh, we're gonna get back to oh yeah something. um so just mm-hmm. uh what you were saying about you were saying something about like not feeling good about your cards or something like that and and some of these smaller mm-hmm. color identities um so i've been running into a lot of muxus decks and uh really like it it there are enough goblins legal in historic that you can shift from 60 to 100 cards and like you know have a full deck but you are like running goblins that you are not excited about um there's like <laughs> yeah. you know the one cost one one goblin that you like pay two mana and it pumps for plus two plus oh um <laughs> but like r- really i see what i see is like a valuable commander or like a, a commander design that excites me is one that uh, allows people or incentivizes people to run the cards that they really want to run the cards that are exciting to them and these goblins that these incredibly crappy limited filler like 14th pick one one goblins are cards that like nobody's really excited to run i don't think um so it's it's just like yeah the the deck still works but it's the the density of coolness and the density of like 
oh man, I love this goblin. This guy's conspicuous snoop. That's that's my jam. That's I like you know look into people's windows all the time like that. Um, <laughs> so it just sucks that uh, the decks that survive seem less cool, uh, and the, a lot of cool decks just got murdered by this change. Yeah, um, and like really, really hoping that over time that changes like as more things get introduced as more historic anthologies are released like whatever it might be or or um i'm assuming future sets are gonna have things similar to the mystical archive you know where i know the mystical archive was to sell cards like physically but i actually do think it was very much a plug for arena i think it was a way to get people to get excited to like draft and play historic on arena or 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 I don't know if it was successful, but I think that was the idea. It was like, oh, I get to play with Brainstorm on Arena now. Oh, I get to play with Lightning Bolt on Arena mm-hmm. now. So I'm assuming we're going to get stuff like that in the future where these packs are going to have like a special cool thing extra um, that is good for us as consumers buying physical cards, playing with physical cards, but will hopefully slowly get us closer to that commander feel. That's what I'm like really crossing my fingers for because I mean they they could they could have done so much. There's not really a reason that like Modern Horizons and Modern Horizons Two aren't on Arena. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like other than the fact that they don't want those cards in Historic or they want to like differentiate them. And between... also, I, I would imagine like some of them may be hard to program that kind of thing. Yeah, but it's like they make. I I feel like that's a pretty bad excuse when you make like millions of dollars as a company you know like like when your profit margin is in the like tens of millions if not more mm-hmm. then i think you can hire another person to code your really cool video game yeah. you know it's that i feel like that's a pretty bad excuse at, at the level they're at right now yeah and, and at the very least i would like to see like increased frequency of historic anthology because that's i think that's a great yes. mechanism for injecting cards in the format it would be nice if maybe there was a little bit less chaff in there. I don't know if like Ooh, yeah. Icker Wellspring is really going to upset many of these formats, but yeah, who knows? I'm not a developer. No, I feel the same way. And, and it's funny too, because like the Praetors were in the last one and it's like, those aren't historic yeah. cards. It's like, those were definitely for, <laughs> for brawl for and sure. historic brawl, but. And, and, yeah. and yet <laughs> the event ends in five days and there's like no, no hope on the horizon yeah yeah you just got to play friendly with your friends at this point so so i I think that said there is a way to um to tell wizards that you want to keep historic brawl around i think i'll put a a link to it in the show notes um it requires going through the arena client and leaving a, a note and stuff like that so it's a little bit of work on your part but if you like historic brawl like we do if you like what it does for commander in the future like getting people onboarded into commander things like that like please do click the link that we'll provide go through like the few steps it takes less than like five minutes and then you're you're good to go and you've helped who knows how many countless players (laughs) to play this format and uh hopefully wizards will just keep it around somehow in some form you know yeah uh and i do want to say like although a lot of this episode has been like here's how all my decks got boned by this change um 
you know, I, I still love historic brawl. I think it's a, yeah. and as you mentioned, it is a, a great way to like get people trained up on commander. Like it teaches people so much, you know, if, if somebody comes in off the street has, has never touched magic in their life, uh, downloads arena. And then, you know, there's go through, goes through the tutorial and then starts, uh, building some decks for brawl. Like they're going to learn most of the like format specific rules. And then, all they really need to do is like transition to the multiplayer politics if they want to go from mm-hmm. from historic brawl on arena to commander in real life. Um, yeah. So I think it's a great teaching tool, and I'm really happy that this format exists. Uh, I just would love for it to be a closer facsimile of commander. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this. If you uh, have any ideas, you've tested any decks, you're like, hey. You guys are completely oh, wrong. Yes. Let us Please. know. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a lot of broad statements based on, you know, only a couple days like worth of experimentation. Of testing. So I, I could be yeah. totally wrong and very uh, interested to hear what people have to say. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so all that said, yeah, let us know what you think and, uh, and yeah, just we'll we'll keep playing and get back to you as as things update. So, all right. That's all. Uh, well, with that, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. Uh, they are Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Rick, Raphael, Laser, Charlotte, Hannah, Anthony, uh, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Leo, Ian, John, John, Tom, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, and Daniel. Thank you for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy. And you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.